hello everyone welcome back to simplifying life with kashira i'm feeling so excited and so honored i'm getting to speak with ford taylor today he is truly passionate about empowering leaders bringing in transformational changes and he happens to be founder of transformational leadership ford it's such a pleasure to have you with us today Krisha, it's so nice to be with you. It's an honor that you would ask me to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you so much. And before we dive into our conversation, I'd really like to tell our viewers that how our paths crossed, because this is really important for people who are out there to build networking. I just reached out to Ford a few days ago, I guess, over the LinkedIn, and as soon as I came across his profile and I got to learn about what he does. Uh, I was immediately connected with his thoughts, his ideas, beliefs, and mission. So I thought, why not to just send out a request and see if it works? And it did work. So we are here today. Would you like to tell us more about yourself, a little background, and what do you do at Transformational Leadership? Yes. So a little bit of background.、Uh, I was born and raised in Paris, Texas. I went to school at a university called Texas A&M University. I met my wife there. She was a freshman when I was a senior, so I stayed in town and worked at a sporting goods store for her to graduate. We got married when she was a junior in college, and when she graduated, the next month we bought a company that was about to go out of business. And I will say, by the grace of God, we were fortunate, and we were able to turn that company around. And over the next 16 years, we started buying more broken companies. I would go in with some of these principles that you have read about. We would turn the company to profitability, put a management team in place, and then go buy another company.、Wow. And we did that over a period of years. And some investment bankers called and asked us to do this with them and go after bigger companies. So over a 16-year period. We became the largest decorated sportswear apparel company in America.、Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people think that's really good news, and and it is from one angle. But on that ride to the top, you know, I saw my picture and our name in all the trade journals as the number one in our industry,、uh, and I became very prideful and arrogant. And most of that was rooted in insecurities. I tell people today, show me the most prideful person in the room, and I will show you the most insecure. But in that pride, I ended up cheating on my wife for a season.、Um, I did not believe that she would ever forgive me. But later, I went to her and told her what I had done, and I thought she was going to leave me, but she didn't. She looked me in the eye and said, "Why would I leave you? I love you more than anything on this earth. We'll get through this. I forgive you." And she taught me what love and forgiveness unconditionally looks like, and I said I want to be like that. And so I left、uh, that company,、uh, started a consulting company. It was during this consulting company that I stopped doing the behavior, and then two years later, I shared with her what I had done. I left that and started doing one-person consulting, if you will, and over time. There was more demand than I could supply, so we started training other people how to use our material. You, know, you and I were just talking right before we started about one of our gentlemen who's been to India has done the training there,、mm-hmm. and so we started doing that, and that turned into a 
full-blown consulting company that I'm now considered the founder of, and other people actually operate the company. So it frees me up to be able to work with companies and hopefully do these kinds of things and get the, the message out of, you know, of transformation, of love and forgiveness. And I love your term, simplicity. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's what I spend most of my time doing now. And prior to COVID, I traveled to many countries around the world and worked with churches as well as governments and businesses. And since COVID, I've been more focused in the United States for live events, but we can still reach out through, the, through technology. So again, thank you for having me on your, on your yes, show. Uh, absolutely. My pleasure. I mean, as you rightly said that life is all about love and forgiveness. And uh, as your wife has been very strong in uh, showing that and embracing the life of love and forgiveness, I have seen that our life has got a lot of failures. You know, we do get success, but uh, there are a lot of failures and people feel dejected when they fail in something. And instead, we could actually embrace that and see it as an opportunity to grow further in our lives. And I, I really believe that failures teach us so much and they ultimately contribute to make the person we are or we want to be in the future. Do, do you think that is there any particular uh, strategy or any advice which people can actually do in their lives to start embracing failures and start looking at them like an opportunity to grow further and take another step in life. Yes, uh, and you're a hundred percent right. And I'm sure you've heard the term "fail forward." You know, how do you have failures and still move forward? And what I found, and what our team has found, that often, the you know, life is really about helping other people. Yeah. You know, so often. You know, we were we were created in a way to be connected relationally uh, to get transactions done. I mean, you know, to, to get things done. But deep down, we were created in a way that intuitively we know that it's more important to help other people than it is to be about ourselves. And I would say the quicker that we learn that in life, the more simplicity and the more peace we have. Um, you know, one of the things that I teach in our training is I believe that everything that we teach is really simple, mm -hmm. but not easy. Yeah. Therefore, we make it complicated mm -hmm. and we choose to live in the river of complication. But once we cross the bridge of transformation, which is changing the way we think about life, we find that what's always been simple is now easy. Yeah. Okay. And, and so what happens is in that river of complication, you know, we all have a past. You know, we all have things that we have done and that have been done to us. One of my things is I was sexually abused as a kindergartner and first grader by a female school teacher. And I didn't know for years how that impacted me and my tra trajectory in life with insecurity, you know, being a woman pleaser. I, in other words, I did not realize how much that impacted my life. But all of us have things, something that's happened to us that causes pain that gets stored in our brain. And whatever that is, it, it's, it's, it's life. You know, if we can deal with those things, 
you know, but because we can't go back and have those things not happen. You know, we can't undo them, yeah. but we can't, but we can deal with the pain. I, I call it to deal with the lie associated with what happened. And so we, we end up living in this lie that if anybody ever found out about me, you know, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't respect me. And, and reality is, you know, we've all got issues. And, and the more that we can get healing over those pains and the more that we can use our failures as well as our successes mm-hmm. to help other people, I find, I love your term, I find the more simple life gets. Yeah. You know, because we start focusing on helping others more than focusing on helping ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's truly inspiring. And I think it takes a lot of courage for an individual to talk about such things which have happened in past. Not, not everybody is able to show that kind of courage. People are scared, as you rightly said, that people think whether they'll get accepted or not. And so many related questions in their brain. So it is really courageous. And uh, I really feel, as you said, people have their goods and bads. I know there are different kinds of past we all have. And uh, that actually intrigues me into personal stories of individuals and particularly the ones that have shaped their career, their character, their journeys. There's a lot which happens in our formative years, which makes us who we are. With that in mind, do you recall of any such story in your formative years that would have had a significant impact in making the Fort Taylor who is in front of us today? Yes. So I am a man of faith, and I know there are many faiths, Mm -hmm. okay? My particular faith happens to be a Christian faith. Uh That probably won't surprise you, being a six-foot-three, gray-headed guy in America. But I didn't really walk out my faith. Mm -hmm. I did in a public fashion, but in my private life, I, I, I laid my faith aside. And there was a moment in time that even while I was doing the things that I knew better than doing, I actually was the spiritual gifts pastor at our church at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I was helping a lot of people with their problems Mm -hmm. while I was living in that river of complication in my own problems. Mm -hmm. And, and, And so we would teach this class on helping people how to use their gifts at work and at home, because that's what we do now with transformational leadership, mm-hmm. uh, not just at churches or synagogues or mosques, or, but, but how to also use them in their daily life. Mm-hmm. And so I was teaching this, and, and as we would, would teach it, we helped a lot of people. Well, one day my pastor and his wife said, you know, you developed this program, and, and we would take people through an interview after they went through the class. Mm-hmm. And in these interviews, a lot of people were getting a lot of help. And so Dale and Anita came to me and said, let's all interview each other. Mm -hmm. And in that interview, they changed a couple of the questions that I wrote Mm -hmm. uh, when they asked me the question one specifically. And when they asked that question, I I broke the way they asked it. I mean, I literally just broke and cried like a newborn baby and went into dry heaves. And, And the question was, 
the way I ask it is, if you could do whatever you wanted to do with your life, what would you do? Yeah. And she said to me, if you could do whatever you knew God wanted you to do with your life, what would you do? Yeah. And so by rewording the question, I knew that I was not living the life privately that I needed to. And I walked out of that meeting and I stopped that behavior. I started getting the help that I needed to overcome some of the things that were causing that. Yeah. And it was my thinking. It was my messed up thinking. And then two years later, after I got some healing is when I shared with my wife what I had done. And so that, yeah, there was a moment in time that I had to, I had to confront myself. Mm-hmm. And for me, I confronted myself before God. And so one of the, one of the quotes, Marisha, that, that I say is that everybody's got a story. Yeah. Only, only those too prideful to admit it have the ability to judge or hurt others. In other words, you know, so many of us, you know, we hold on to our darkness and we live in that river of bitterness and anxiety and shame and fear. But when we let that darkness go and we put it in the light, you know, and it's no longer held inside and it's exposed to the light, the light brings healing to what we keep in the darkness. So, yeah, there was a moment in time. And, and then I started realizing that all these tools that we do in transformational leadership that I had used in businesses all these years, I started realizing when I applied those in my own personal life, they worked just as well in my marriage and my family as they did in business. And so uh, we were able to then start showing others how to use these tools. And I'm happy to share a couple of big ones with your audience that, that might help if you would like me to. Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to love that. Yes, we would love to hear some of these strategies from you. Okay, so one of the things that we teach is called a VPMOSA, V-P-M-O-S-A. Okay. And, that stand, and that stands for Vision, Purpose, Mission, abstract, mm-hmm. Objectives, Strategies, and Action Steps. Mm-hmm. Okay, but we ask people, before you start writing the vision that you want to accomplish in your life or in your family or in your marriage or whatever you're doing, so before you start the VPMOSA, we ask them to write down, you know, how do they want to be remembered? Yeah. Okay, now in America, the way we would ask that is what would you want on your tombstone? Now, other places may approach that differently because some faiths don't have a tombstone. But, you know, at a funeral, you know, people say things. And, and what would you, how would you want to be remembered? If you were gone, what would you want your friends to say about you? about the life you lived. If you have children, what would you want your children to say? What would you want your spouse, your next door neighbors, the people for you that could listen to your your show? What would you want them to say about you? What would you want your family to say? So we say to write all that down on a piece of paper and look at it and then ask yourself, if I died today, are those the things that would get said? And most likely for most of us, we find that's not what would get said. Mm-hmm. What we would like to get said is not the reality because we have this gap in who we may put ourselves out to be or who we aspire to be mm-hmm. and who we really are. But this little tool helps close that gap yeah. because that gap brings stress. And the closer that gap, you know, our, our real self and our ideal self, the closer the, that gap, 
the less stress we have, the more simplicity. So we say write all that down first. And then look at that and say, if I lived out certain values the rest of my life, you know, what are five or ten core values that if I lived those out every day, all day, the rest of my life, those are the things that people would say that is how I would be remembered. And then once that's finished, we say, now stop for a minute and ask yourself, you know, what is it that you would like to accomplish with your life? And we call that the vision. You know, at the end, you did it. What is it? What trajectory do you want to go after? And then once you answer that question, uh, some people like to say, what is the dream that I have? What, what dream do I want to fulfill? We just call it the vision. The second question is the purpose. Mm-hmm. Why? Why am I going to go after that? So the vision is what, the purpose is why. And then, and then we say, write a mission statement and answer this question. What is it that I'm willing to do that others may not be willing to do mm-hmm. to accomplish that vision, that purpose, so that people would actually remember me that way? And then once they have that, those three statements, you know, once they know what that is, they, they really ought to be short, something you can remember. But once they have that, we now say write objectives or goals that you will accomplish over the next 12 to 18 months just to get started. And then we, we tell people, break those objectives into four quadrants. So put them in four areas. Mm-hmm. Make, make some family objectives, mm-hmm. some financial objectives, which might be work or investment or savings, financial. Some health objectives, you know, physical health, mental health, emotional health, and for people who have a spiritual walk, spiritual health. And then the fourth area is our community. You know, where are we going to volunteer our time and give our extra resources? And so we encourage people to write objectives around their family, their finances, their health, and their community to actually go after accomplishing that vision, purpose, and mission. And then as you write those objectives, write down some strategies or action steps that are measurable. Put some dates on it. That, you know, you can say, okay, I'm going to do these things by this date, which will move me toward accomplishing that. And, and I found over the years, since I did this back in 2000, the first time, that, you know, that as my children got older, there's different things that I would want them to say. So I would review it, because what they would say at 5 and 8 and 10 is different than what they might say at 33, 30, and 28. Yeah. And so... But but some of the core things never change. And so once I started focusing on those four areas, you know, family, work, and and what I found, Richard, was really neat, that when those four areas of our life are in balance, now that does not mean they're equal. That means they're in balance. That when they're balanced, we can find a peace that most people never find. And, and And I call that, you ready? Work hard play hard, rest hard, and sleep hard. In other words, do all those things. And when you're resting, rest. And when you're working, work. And when you're sleeping, sleep. And when you're playing, play. In other words, try to to get to where you really can enjoy all those areas of your life Mm -hmm. because they're But that VP Mosa has been, we get told globally by individuals and organizations marriages, families, that it, it really became changer for them. Yeah, that, that's super powerful. 
like in a small world Weepy Mosa, you have said so much and all these things are so important for people to live their life by being fully in the moment. I think this is what it is all about, right? Whatever you're doing, for example, we're talking right now, we need to be just talking here. We have to be mindful of what we are doing. And I think uh, this is one of the major challenges, you know, in fast moving life these days that people are doing multiple things at the same time, though they will be able to action on just one, but they'll keep thinking on multiple things. And because of which you neither hear nor anywhere else. That actually brings me to another very powerful thing, which I am getting reminded from your own profile. I read it a few days ago when you said, just correct me if I'm going wrong. You said, if one stop gossiping and stop getting offended, they can change the world in 48 hours. And yeah. uh, so just to give you a little backstory, I think it was morning in India and uh, I was just scrolling through the LinkedIn feed and I came across that. And I was like this because that was so powerful, you know, just two lines. And this is telling you the essence and the exact problem areas. So I, I have my own strong thoughts about it. I want to understand from you what led you to think about that if we actually stop of getting offended, we can save a lot of time for our own life and make it more better. Right. So when I traveled in my first career, mm -hmm. uh, you know, growing that company, you know, I also traveled back then to different countries and, mm -hmm. and I found something that, that back then I found very interesting. I just didn't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. Well, then when I, when my light bulb came on about changing my life, I started traveling, doing what I do now. And I found the same thing. Mm -hmm. And what I found was that every single person I met, it didn't matter what country, but every single person was smart, mm -hmm. gifted, or talented in at least one area. And many of them are smart, gifted, or talented in multiple areas. Mm -hmm. But what I found is that at least 95 to 97% of this world have big hearts. They truly care about their next door neighbor. Mm -hmm. They truly care about other cultures. Mm -hmm. Now, we may get skewed with media and and, and get our minds messed up. But, but deep down, we really care about each other. Mm -hmm. And I started asking the question, if that's true, why is it that that's not the people that we hear about more? Why is that not who the movies are about? Why are they not in the newspaper and on the TV? And I started realizing that those people with big brains, smart, gifted, talented, with big hearts, that they were missing something. And it's what I call the practical, implementable tools to walk out mm -hmm. what they intuitively know and feel. Mm -hmm. In other words, they, they, it, everything about leadership was theory. Mm -hmm. You know, everything in church was theory. Mm -hmm. But the practical, implementable, walking that out, like you just said, the action steps on how to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I started, started realizing that that every single person on this planet mm -hmm. has influence mm -hmm. okay? and death and leadership is about influence mm -hmm. right I and mean, that's what it's about mm -hmm. and we're all part of multiple organizations mm -hmm. now an organization is two or more people mm 
So if two or more people are in relationship, that's an organization. So we all have multiple organizations and we all have influence in those organizations. So by that definition, we're all leaders. And so if we're going to have an influence, we might as well make it a good one. In other words, we can have positive influence or we can have negative influence. Mm -hmm. So one of the practical tools that you just referred to, a part of, is something that we call a social covenant. Mm -hmm. And and we get organizations, marriages, families, businesses, even governments. I mean, even governments in Africa have signed this with each other. Mm -hmm. Okay? That we make a commitment to one another on how we're going to treat one another. And people agree on it in their organizations. We're going to agree to treat each other this way. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that we agree to treat each other is that we won't gossip about one another. You know, that we'll protect one another. Uh, And an example, you know, that I teach in there is that great people talk about vision, ideas, and solutions. Average people talk about things. Small people talk about other people. Smaller people let them, smaller people join them, and even smaller people tell others. So in this social covenant, we we agree on how we're going to treat one another. And one of those is we're not going to gossip or allow gossip in our organization about other people. Mm -hmm. And and then within that, if someone breaks that covenant, Mm -hmm. that contract, that agreement, Mm -hmm. then they agree that we're going to approach each other. In other words, if you and I were in that, I'll send you a copy of it if you'd like to see it. I can email it to you, and you can send it to your listeners. It's it's a template. If they wanted to use it, they could. If they wanted to rewrite their own, they could. Mm -hmm. But we agree that if one of us broke that agreement with each other, Mm -hmm. that we would love each other enough Mm -hmm. to come talk about it. And And we would go in humility, which means I might be wrong. We would go in pre forgiveness in case I'm right. We would go love, and that means I care more about you mm-hmm. than I care about how you feel about me. Now, most people, that's a thats a level of love that most people can't achieve. Yeah. They can't, but they don't realize it. In other words, I care enough to share this with you, not because I'm offended, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to be offended. You can't offend me. That's up to me to choose to be offended. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to come and say, you know, we agreed not to do this, and I may be wrong, but I believe that when you did this, it was disrespectful. Now, why am I doing that? Because if I'm right, what if you have a blind spot? You know, what if you're doing that to your spouse, your children, your coworkers, and you don't even realize, and no one's cared enough about you to tell you? Mm-hmm. And then the other is 100% of the truth. In other words, we're not going to just give pieces of the truth. We're going to give it all. And in that covenant... You know, we've agreed to love and honor and respect and affirm. I mean, these words are all positive. I've never had an organization in the world write down a negative word on how we're going to treat each other. They all pick positive words. And then we agree that if, if, if our one-on-one meeting doesn't accomplish it and resolve it, we'll bring someone into help. And if that doesn't accomplish it, we'll bring a group together and we'll have them say, Ford, you're wrong, or Felicia, you're wrong. And whoever they say is wrong, has two choices. They can apologize mm-hmm. or or leave the organization. And it, it's a simple system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if people sign it in advance, everybody agrees to it. Mm-hmm. And then within the system, we have six steps to an apology. Mm-hmm. And so if you came to me and said, Ford, I believe when you did this to me, it was disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh my, you're right. I cannot believe I did that. Thank you for telling me. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm going to 
apologize. Now, if I know in advance that I did it, I'm going to apologize before you tell me. Yeah. But if I realize it, and the six steps are, uh, I admit what I did. You're right. When I did that, it was disrespectful. That's step number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is I was wrong for treating you that way. And number three is I am sorry or I apologize. Because mm-hmm. some people, that word sorry is hard on them because they may have been told when they were younger mm-hmm. by parents or siblings or teachers that they're sorry, little son of a gun. So I am sorry or I apologize. Mm-hmm. And then number four is will you or when you can, will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. And step number five is I give you permission to hold me accountable not to ever treat you that way or anyone else. In other words, if you ever see that behavior again, tell me. And then number six is, is there anything else that you want to talk about or that I owe you an apology for? Mm-hmm. And so walking all of that out in organizations, again, two or more people, you know, we shut down gossip. Mm-hmm. We get 48 hours. If you gossip to me about someone, I would give you 48 hours to go tell them mm-hmm. or I'll tell them. I won't tell them what you said, because I'm not going to get in the middle of that, but I will say she's talking negatively about you because the definition of gossip is when you say something negative yeah. about about a person to someone else who's not part of the problem or part of the solution. Yeah. And to me, the solution is love you, go talk to them and get this worked out. Yeah, yeah. The communication plays a key role in mitigating such situations. Uh, there's something I'm thinking of right now, uh, getting offended in silence. Yes. Yeah. And I have myself seen it very closely in so many people that they get offended maybe for any X, Y, Z reason. It could be you know, due to some action of their bosses, some action of their partners in different spheres of life. Now, they'll keep, they'll keep it inside them and they'll keep killing themselves with those thoughts that, oh my God, you know, how could that person say like that for me? You know, the co- common thoughts uh, which people do. And it's so difficult for them to come out until they show courage to talk about it. I'm getting really encouraged by what you are talking about, all the practical tools and strategies which are in place to handle these situations. And I think this is really very important for everybody to just say that I am offended, I did not like, you know, what you said, how you behave, and just close the topic then and there, instead of keeping it inside and just going about it and ruining your own mental state, it's better to speak up. There's no question, because if you hold it inside, you stay in pain. Yes. You know, the pain is still there, and, and hurting people hurt people. And so by staying in our own pain, we end up causing pain to others. Yes. And what you'll find is that when people are offended or in conflict, they'll fall into a number of categories. Mm-hmm. And one of those categories is the one that you just talked about. They'll depress it. They'll suppress it. They'll hold it inside. Yeah. Okay. Another category is, is called, that's called a depressor or a suppressor. Another category is a sulker. In other words, you can see it all over them. They're holding it inside, but boy, you can read it. You yeah. know they're hurting. Yeah. Another one Another one is a screamer. And we don't want to be screamers either, yeah. but a screamer is 
not holding it in, yeah. but they're not going in humility. They're not going in love. You know, they're just letting you have it. And another, the fourth category is a litigator. And a litigator is someone who says that in a conflict or an offense, mm -hmm. that one person is 100% right and the other one's 100% wrong. Mm -hmm. And very seldom is that the case. Almost always in a conflict or offense, there's a little bit of blame on one and probably a lot on the other. But a litigator is, I'm always going to be right and you're always going to be wrong. And the fifth category, which is the category that we teach people to become, is what we call peacemakers. Yeah. Okay? In other words, they approach offense and conflict looking for a solution, not looking to hurt others. And that's why we say peacemakers help people go and, and talk, but they go in humility, pre-forgiveness, love, and truth. They're not suppressing it. They're not doing it out of their pain. They're not litigating it. I'm right, you're wrong. And so we try to teach people to move outside of those first four categories and move into that fifth category. Yeah. Speaking of that, just a reality check. So I consider myself a very high-functioning individual. I really feel that, you know, all the experiences which I've had in life, all uh, the a different way of looking at problems and I am able to keep myself at the top and observe the situation whenever any such thing happens. Still, I have gone through some situation in not very long, I think in last one or two months wherein I did get offended by some of the action of somebody senior in the family. And it was that time that forced me to think that I could not control my emotions. You know, after knowing, after having that sound understanding of how it works, I could not control my emotions and I allowed myself to be in that moment for a good time. It was difficult for me to come out. I, I was, and my mind was constantly thinking that how could they? You know, they, they could have thought this, they could have said this, but I allowed myself to live in that moment, which was totally deteriorating. I know it is difficult. I know it takes a lot of courage to show that strength every time, but it is possible. That makes you, that makes you human. Okay, we're all human. We are going to have our down moments. And so the way I share with people that if that's happened mm -hmm. and you've not dealt with it, mm -hmm. okay, go to the person mm -hmm. and start off with the six-step apology. Mm -hmm. In other words, don't start off with sharing the offense. Start off with, you know, something has happened between us mm -hmm. and I did not come share it with you. Mm -hmm. And I was wrong and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me for not coming and talking to you about this and hold me accountable that I never hold anything between us mm -hmm. and our relationship again? Yeah. Is there anything else I owe you an apology for before I share what I want to share? Boom. And, and all of a sudden, you set the stage for, this is on me. This is not your fault. Yeah. I'm the one that held this. And then you say, you know, I may be wrong. I may have misread what happened. Now, you may find out in that sixth step, mm -hmm. not you, but whoever, may find out when they say, is there anything else? We may find out that we did something mm -hmm. that we don't even know we did mm -hmm. that might have caused. Now, we can't cause other people's behavior but might have caused 
them to choose to behave that way towards us. And we don't even know that we did it. But it opens the door to find that out. Yeah. And it, it, it brings peace into the room mm -hmm. to be able to say, could I share with you what happened? I may be wrong. This may be 100% my lens, my perspective. I might have misread it. Mm -hmm. But I love you. I care about our relationship. In your case, we're family. That's what you would say. And I don't ever want anything to be between us. Mm -hmm. May I have your permission to share? And I'm telling you, 99% of the time, when we approach it that way, mm -hmm. it's done. I mean, it's just done. Yeah. People are crying. They're hugging each other. They're going, thank you for coming to me. Now, when we go as a screamer, you know, a yeller, a litigator, yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. But when you go this way, almost 100% of the time, it is resolved. Absolutely. That's so insightful. Thank you so much for this amazing insight. I mean, I think I'm definitely going to remember these things, like six-step apology. Who would have thought? But then you can always structure things and bring them into action. That's wonderful. As we conclude our conversation, would you like to share some final advices to the people who are starting out in their life, right out their college or schools and want to get into corporates as you are about empowering leaders. So some final tips which you can tell these people to make their life more better and make best use of their time. Yes. Uh, you know, when I was asked originally to part, to start putting on citywide or national or speaking Mm -hmm. around transformational leadership. When I was first asked to do that, I said no. Mm -hmm. And the people that asked me wanted to know why. Mm -hmm. I said, because I've been to a lot of conferences in my life mm -hmm. and you get very motivated for a week or two and then slowly you lose what you learn. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm not going to be a person who goes and takes people money, gets them all motivated, mm -hmm. and then they don't do anything with it. And these leaders came to me and said, the difference in yours and theirs is that you're giving people practical, implementable ways to walk out what you're teaching. Would you at least try it? Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, look, y'all get 30 people, bring them into a room, and we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that, you know, I shared at the end of the time that if you don't go walk out what you learned in our time together, mm -hmm. that was a six-day program, by the way, over six months. If you don't walk this out, I will never do this again. Mm -hmm. So I challenged those 30 people because they kept saying, this stuff is great. And I said, well, if this is just another thing you went to and you don't use any of it, I won't ever do it again. Well, the story started pouring in. So we did it again and then again. And so I would share with your audience mm -hmm. that as you bring them, you know, speakers, authors, consultants, that if they hear something, mm -hmm. you know, if any of your listeners, they hear something and go, wow, that's for me, go walk it out immediately. Don't wait. Mm -hmm. You know, apply what you learned. Because when you apply what you learned, you start teaching it to other people. And when you start doing that, you remember what you learned. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to remember what we just talked about. Now, my guess is this will be recorded and you can watch it as many times as you want. But you're not going to remember it just hearing it one time. Mm -hmm. But if you go walk out something that you heard, mm -hmm. you're going to remember it. So that would be my number one. And then number two, 
you know, any of those things that might have happened to you in your past, you know, from any perfectionist mother or sexual abuse, all kinds of stuff. But those things that have happened to you in your past, they get stored in your brain, in, in a part of the brain that's called hippocampus. And then later in life, when something resembles what happened before, our brains can't process it. We immediately think we're going to get the same outcome and then we respond to other people through the lens of what we believe the outcome's going to be. But if we can take those things that's happened and we can remove the lie associated with them. An example is it was years after I shared with my wife that I had cheated. It was years later that I shared with her about the sexual abuse. Well, because there was so much shame in that, because I, the lie was, why didn't I tell someone? Was I enjoying it? Well, sex is supposed to feel good. Of course I enjoyed it. But at six, seven years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, I wouldn't have known what to say. I had no education on what that was. But as an adult, you think like an adult, and you don't think back what was actually going on as a child. But the lie that caused me to hang on to it was, well, if I ever told anybody, but when I shared it with her, you know, her response was, our whole life together makes sense now. In other words, I've been trying to reconcile what happened. This made it make sense, and I'm not blaming it on that. Please don't hear that. Mm -hmm. I made the choice, and I messed up. Mm -hmm. But I did say to you, if you've got some of those pains from the past, Try to deal with some of those and start realizing it's probably a lie that you're hanging on to more than what actually happened. Yeah. Whether you did it, whether you did something or had something done to you. So that would be my two words of encouragement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. These, uh, your strategies, all your tips have been super powerful. I'm pretty sure people are going to learn a lot of things from this conversation. Really amazing. Thank you so much for, for, taking out time for this conversation. It's superb. I think I am, I feel that I'm not done with my questions. I feel that there are so many things for me to ask, but then yes, I'll have to let you go. And uh, this has been super insightful. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And I'm going to speak to you as if you're one of my three daughters. May I have your permission to do that? Yeah, absolutely. That would be a pleasure. Thank you. May I do that? Okay. But I want you to hear it as, as one of my daughters. Okay. Don't ever lose that smile. Your eye, your eyes just glow. I mean, the love in your spirit comes out of your face, which makes you beautiful. Don't ever lose that. Keep sharing that with the world. You're a blessing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is a pleasure and absolute honor to be talking to you. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.